G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Rise and Shine, Rise and shine. with Robbo and Becky on Vision. It's 14 past eight in Victoria, which is where my guest co-host and her guest is today on Rise and Shine. Linda Bailey is with me. and I know you talk about you know, bring your dog to work day, Linda, but you've actually brought your vet to work today. Absolutely. I've gone <laughs> the, the other extreme and we're taking over us Victorians. Uh, Dr. Rob, our home vet, is with us. Good morning, Dr. Rob. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Robbo. Great to have you with us, mate. It's uh, going to be great. We're uh, opening the phone lines to uh, get some questions for the resident Rise and Shine vet. So um, we've had uh, quite a few coming in on Facebook already. So uh, looking forward to that. Now, I'll jump in first of all. I asked my wife last night what she'd like to ask the vet, and she, she wants to know, would you give an animal mouth-to-mouth resuscitation with no sort of aids or anything, just straight you know, mouth over the nose and, and mouth? <laughs> Well, is she asking, is she asking would asking? I or would you? No, would you? <laughs> um, yeah, the, I, I think the, the simple answer is it's not that effective just because um, you're, you know, we're just the wrong shape, say, for, for especially for a dog, you yeah. know, just because most of them have got a, a snout. Um, yeah. Difficult to get that seal over the mouth. Um, mind you, if it was coming down to that and you had to try something, then I've seen plenty of people do it before. Oh, and, wow. uh, yeah, that's real uh, commitment, it, isn't it? <laughs> it's not. It's not that it doesn't happen. It's just that it, if if it gets to that, it, it's actually not that effective. But, wow. Okay. Um, hey, if you're if you're in an emergency, you're going to try, aren't you? <laughs> that's it. When your best friends you know, laying on the floor not breathing, you're going to try whatever exactly. you can. Exactly. Going blue. Yeah, yeah. you're going to try something. <laughs> lots of people kiss their pets, right? I mean, it's just the next <laughs> step from there. Well, I think, and lots of people kiss them as well. You know, <laughs> I, I'm always a bit worried when my dog's licking me around the face. I think. I don't know where that tongue's been. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to think too hard about it, that's for sure. Exactly. No, no, don't think about it. Don't think about it. <laughs> we have Nicole who's asked a, an interesting question. She has a, a Burmese, a male Burmese cat that's four, not really large-boned, but she's worried that it might be developing feline diabetes. She's got other animals in the house that are a bit older, so... This Burmese tends to get in pretty quickly, it seems, to the food bowls and eats because they're all fussy eaters, eat at different times. Is there some suggestions for for Nicole as to how to reduce the Burmese cat's intake when there are other animals in the house as well? Yes, that's a really good one. And um, we know that Burmese are kind of like the Labradors of the cat world. They uh, (laughs) really love their food and sometimes tend to be a bit greedy and as a result tend to sort of get a bit overweight and uh, yeah if you're especially if you're a, if you're a male overweight burmese you're actually four times more likely to become diabetic than the rest of the cat population wow. that's amazing so um yeah it's it's definitely a risk and um if if you know if you've got a 6 point something kilo burmese it's not especially big in, you know in their frame then then yeah that's an overweight cat and um, so yeah, definitely at risk. So um, I guess the signs that Nicole should look for is if if puss is drinking more than usual, um, if they're sort of 
over and above hungry, you know, if, if they're hungrier than usual, which for Burmese might be hard to detect. Yeah. <laughs> they're always hungry. Um, yeah, so she, she needs to look for those things. Um, in terms of reducing um, the cat's intake, I think it's, it's all about controlling the environment. So um, the other animals need to be fed somewhere where puss can't get to the food. Um, even though they're, they're picky and, and they sort of, you know, it sounds like they're grazers, she might have to transition these guys over to having a, a defined um, meal time. And even though it won't go down particularly well for a while, most of the time they'll adjust just so that you can sort of lock puss away while the others are having their opportunity and then make, make puss's feeding time and place separate. Um, to, to reduce some of the risk for, for this pussycat with diabetes, um, you really want to get some of that weight off. Now, there are some really clever um, commercially available foods out there um, that, uh, that will you know, almost certainly reduce their weight but help them to feel full at the same time. Um, there's a specific one that I've got in mind that I, I, I probably shouldn't be mentioning brand names, but um, it, it's a very high-fibre, low-fat, low-carb diet essentially has that sort of slow-burning effect where, where the cats actually feel full, um, but they're not getting the huge amount of, um, of dietary energy intake that, that normal cat foods give them. Um, normal cat diets are geared to be high in fat and high in energy. You know, they're, um, That's just what cats actually need mostly, but um, for your at-risk cats you know, who are already a bit chubby and maybe overdoing it with the food bowl, um, yeah, we need to look at, at high fibre, low fat, low carb. And um, if we can sort of shed some weight from, from Puss, then all of a sudden he's stepping back from that edge of, of being at risk of diabetes. Mm, that's Great. Pretty, pretty important too. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm, taking, I'm taking notes, Dr. Rob, not, <laughs> not because I have it, but I think I might be part Burmese cat as well. So, well, um, you know, the interesting thing with, with diabetes, they often actually use cats as a study model for diabetes in humans. Um, wow. Uh, especially like type 1 diabetes. Um, you know, if you've got a diabetic cat, they're, they're all insulin dependent. And um, yeah, if you end up with a cat with diabetes, that, that's a major, major commitment and um, a yeah. big thing to have to manage. So anything you could do to back them away from that risk is very, very much worth doing. Mm. All right. Well, that's a good advice there for Nicole and for uh, yeah, others that have got uh, Burmese or uh, greedy cats. We've got uh, Dr. Rob <laughs> with us today, our resident vet, and uh, taking your calls and answering your questions. If you want to call through, 1-800-316-316 is the number. That's one 800 316 316 with your vet questions for Dr. Rob. A great way to start your day. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. Robbo and Linda Bailey today, and Linda has uh, organised for her home vet to come along and be part of the conversation today. Yeah, it's uh, purely uh, for my own benefit. <laughs> I've got enough questions <laughs> to take up the whole hour. But Jeanette has asked on the Facebook uh, why are kittens' eyes sealed shut when they're born and take a little while to open? Ah, that, that's simple because they don't need to know where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually think it's because when they're being born, um, it's more of a protective mechanism. You know, like cats aren't giving birth in beautiful um, birthing suites. They're often doing it in the rough. And yep. Um, yep. Yeah, if, if, when kittens, you know, they're, they're supposed to come out head first, if they're hitting the ground with their eyes open, then there'll there'll be you know, potentially catastrophic damage to the eye. So I think it's a protective thing for when they're right. born. 
Um, and because mum is there um, guiding them towards, you know, towards the drinks bar <laughs> when they're little, <laughs> yep. um, they, they don't need to really see where they're going. They, they do it by smell. They do it by repetition and learning. Um, they only actually need to start opening their eyes to see where they're going when they're moving. And generally, until sort of two weeks old, they're just sort of wriggling around, not going very far anyway. Yeah, uh, I think it's, cool. um, it's th- things are ready when they're supposed to be ready. Yeah, yeah that's great. is that amazing? I love hearing stuff like that. It just makes you think, wow, like when God created the world, just things make sense. Yeah, like exactly. Like there is purpose yeah. and order. Yeah. There's and a design to it, isn't there? That's wonderful. Yeah. Exactly. So good. Now, I'm wondering yeah. if there's yeah. any purpose and order <laughs> to my seven-month-old puppy Chewing up my my couch cushions because it's driving me crazy, Doctor Rob. Yes, yes. Now, is she doing it when you're there, Linda, or, or is it when you're Look, not home? Usually, when we're not home. That being said, the other day I was home for quite a while. I took five minutes to go down to the boys' bedrooms to put their clean clothes away, and by the time I had come back. She chewed on the cushion, taken some stuffing out, oh, no. and then tried to get the cushion through her dog door to take outside <laughs> to the backyard to her special spot where she loves to annihilate anything like cushions, <laughs> shoes, or even library books, which was a really oh, fun no. conversation oh. I had to have with the librarian. Dude. Oh, no. She was going out there to finish the job, wasn't she? <laughs> yes, she um, totally does. Oh. I think going back a few steps, like um, for, for young pups to want to chew on everything is completely normal. It's not naughty. It's not bad. It's just them learning about the world. And um, I think dogs like to learn about the world by putting it in their mouth one, one <laughs> mouthful at a time. <laughs> so awesome. when, when they're little, that's, that's perfectly normal learning stuff. Um, that usually reaches a peak at about 16 weeks, so roughly four months old. Um, and then usually naturally wanes after that. Now, if, if they're still a really, really compulsive chewer um, after that, you know, if they just can't stop doing it, sometimes, like, there's a few reasons for that, but one of the most common reasons is that they're feeling anxious or frustrated. Um, now, I ask whether, whether she's doing it when you're there or not. Um, some of the time they're doing it because they're actually experiencing separation anxiety, for instance, where they're... they're worried about being apart from you and um, even if it's only a perceived separation that's that's enough for some pups to get a bit anxious and frustrated and a bit worried and um, so they uh, they start doing you know doing some of these um, fiddly behaviors like that now um, other dogs will show separation anxiety in other ways but um, I think destructiveness is one of those key things Um, and, and often it's just, it's, it's a little bit like people chewing their fingernails. You know, it doesn't actually help the situation, but they do it anyway, you know? Yeah, right. um, and um, I reckon the, the fact that, um, yeah, like that it's sort of persisting on, um, you know, sometimes it is just play and it's just, you know, it, it's not a, it doesn't have to be a sign that, that you've got an anxious dog on your hands. But um, if you're sort of seeing some destructiveness as well as, say, like excessive barking at times or as well as, other forms of destructiveness or, or sometimes forms of aggression or um, overly exuberant play. or A lot of these signs are, are also little tidbits of information to say that, okay, maybe my dog's actually got a bit of an anxiety problem. Um, now, I know I've seen photos of your Nasha, Linda, and she's beautiful. She is a little daxy. <laughs> and, 
in my in my experience, I think um, as a breed, dachshunds are, are a timid little breed. You know, they um, I'd say they are overly represented for anxiety problems compared to the rest of the dog population. Mm, interesting. Um, it's not it's not to say that it has to be that. And um, I guess I, I'd love to see some video of her doing this because there'd be there'd be little subtle cues of. Um, body language information there that, that are telling us maybe why she's doing that. But I suspect that if it's largely happening when you're not in the room, yeah. she's feeling a bit put out that you're not there waiting on her hand and foot and, uh, <laughs> yes, she does quite and like acting that. out a little bit. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, but look, yeah. even though it's destructive and it's frustrating, it's not naughty. It's usually done for a perfectly um, a perfectly functional reason um, but it doesn't necessarily make it easier to live with. Yeah. <laughs> no well, worries. Let's hope Not she grows out of it soon, though. That I was after, but no, I appreciate that. <laughs> and and the, the really, the really simple answer to to help straight away is just for now, get rid of the cushions. Like, yeah, um, yeah, that's right. You, to, you, you control doing, the environment she's doing first. A very good job of that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's getting rid of them for you. But yeah. um, control the environment first, and then uh, work out the rest when you've got a bit more time to think about it yeah. and work it through. Puppy proof awesome. the house. Thank that's you. a good bit of advice. Well, look, we've got uh, Olivia standing by with the latest uh, headlines, but we'll get you to hang around just for a couple more minutes, Rob, and uh, we've got another question uh, on the phones from Kerry-Ann after the news headlines. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. And Dr. Rob's hung around for just a few minutes more to uh, answer another question uh, from Kerry-Ann, who's given us a call. What's your question for Dr. Rob? Yeah, I have a, um, a King Charles Cavalier uh, with his really googly eyes, and uh, she's eight, and we've just noticed that she can't see out of one of her eyes. And when the light shines through it, you can see like a circle in her eye. I don't know if she's got cataracts or if there's anything you can do for them. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. And Kerri-Ann, how, how you old did you say she, she is? She's eight. She's eight. Okay. She's really yeah, energetic look, um, though. You wouldn't know that she was eight. <laughs> she runs around sure like thing. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, you're right. Like it, it sounds like there's something going going amiss there, and um, and, uh, and and so you've sort of picked up that she can't really see out of that side. She can't see at all. If you cover her her uh, good eye over, and someone walks past the front of the house, yes. she doesn't even okay. do Just anything. There. But yeah. then you take your hand off as soon as she sees him. She goes crazy. Yes. So like she clearly yes. can't see out of her eye. Yes. yes. Okay. We only just noticed like of... yesterday. <laughs> okay. Oh well. Wow. I would say if if this is something that you've only just noticed, my my advice would be to get her to a vet as soon as possible, like today. Um, just that there are some things that that go on that actually are reversible if you get them quickly enough. Um, okay. But if if they're left even for a few days, can go terribly wrong. Now you might be right that it's a, a cataract. Now if it is that, then there are things that can be done. Um, but it could also be other things like uh, glaucoma, which uh, unfortunately cavies are, are one of those breeds that are, are prone to that. Um, right. it, it could be a, a number of other things as well, but if, if you've just noticed it, it's possible that this has actually been going for longer than you know. Um, yeah, that's right. That's if, this what we ha- if, if this actually has happened within the last day, then I would say... Get on the phone as soon as you're off the phone from me. Get on the phone to your vet and get her there today, um, just because there are a few of these things that, that could actually be reversed if we're onto it very, very quickly. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, it's sort of, it's it's tricky. Um, I mentioned glaucoma. Okay. Glaucoma is, a, is an increase in the pressure inside the eye, um, and um, it does damage to the optic nerve, which is the nerve that, that sends the messages from, from the eye to the brain. Um, if that can be got, gotten onto very very early and quickly, then you, you can actually manage that and not lose the side of the eye um, and not lose the eye itself. Um, on the other end Even of the with spectrum. Yeah, like with with glaucoma, they 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 can be managed if they're if they're managed very early. Um, but right. um, yeah, cataracts on the other end, uh, they're they're sort of you know they're a much less urgent thing generally. Um, but I'd say just because because I'm on the end of the phone and I yeah. can't really um, see or do any yeah. tests. So basically, I'd say basically that, when you the light shine into your eye and you could see like a circle, you could see the yeah. circle with a different colour. That's what I yeah. can see. I'd say and, and then any, that's what any made sort me of, look at it. Yeah. Yes. I think any colour change in an eye, you've got to take very seriously and um, and act okay. as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah. Right, I hope well, she's right. okay. To the vet, I think. Yeah, sounds like a good thing. <laughs> yeah. It's good timing that right. uh, we had uh, Dr. Rob with us. So <laughs> thanks for the call. Lovely to hear from you. Okay. Mary, thank you, mate. Thanks, Carrie Ann. Well, really appreciate your time, Dr. I know you've got to head off to work, so uh, thanks for sticking around that little bit longer. And I reckon we might have to do this again. Hopefully we'll uh, be able to tee up and uh, turn you into a, a bit of a resident vet for us here on Rise and Shine. Oh, that sounds great, Robbo. It's, uh, it's been great fun. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 